I want to say good morning to all of you who are here today as well as those who are joining us at our campuses today. My name is Eddie Couples. I'm the lead pastor. No matter where you're joining us today, we believe, first of all, that God's already touched your life and that as we go in the Word of the Lord together, that God's going to speak to us. So wherever you're at, we believe that you are part of what God is doing through Love and Truth Church. It's over the past few weeks that we've been talking on this subject of living on purpose. And so we're going to continue that today. In fact, if you have your Bible or whatever you have the Word of God on, whatever device you have it on, go to the book of Luke, the 12th chapter in the New Testament. And as you're doing that, let me just kind of bring everybody together on what we've been talking about over the past few weeks. On this whole aspect of living on purpose, we talked the first week out of the book of Jeremiah where that each and every one of us are called of God and that we are positioned by God. In fact, we talked the first week about purposeful positioning, how that God spoke to Jeremiah and said, while you were still in your mother's womb, I knew you, I formed you, and I called you. And we talked that week about how that when we get into the position that God wants us to be in, that that is where we begin to find our destiny. That's where we begin to live out what God has called us to do, and we begin to be fulfilled in everything that God has called us to. Last week, we talked about passion, how that each of us are called to live life passionately, that we're not just breathing up somebody else's air, that we're not just going through the routine of life, but that we're truly living what John 10, 10, says, and that is, I am come that you would have life and that you would have it more abundantly. Now today, we're going to talk about purposeful possessions. So let's look in the Word of God in the book of Luke, the 12th chapter, and I want to read to you uh, a couple of three verses of Scripture there, and then a little bit later we're going to continue there. So please keep your Bible open to that passage. Beginning in verse 13. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in abundance and an abundance of possessions. Now it's interesting that Jesus is approached by someone at this point, and the question to him is, or the statement to him is, hey, hey, Jesus, you're a teacher, you're a rabbi, you're a scholar. My brother and I are having some issues about the inheritance. Now, I don't know if you've lived long enough to go through that yet or not, uh, but if you live very long, and it doesn't have to be a large inheritance, it can be, oh, I don't know, $20. And it seems like family can get all in a tiff uh, over really not a whole lot of money. And so th this guy comes to Jesus, and evidently he didn't get the settlement he wanted, or, or his brother was keeping it all. I mean, I don't know what the issue was, but, but he comes to Jesus and says, I want you to take care of this. I want you to tell my brother what he ought to do. And Jesus just says, wait a minute. I'm not called uh, to be an arbiter. I'm not called to be a mediator between you and your brother. And then he launches into something that seemingly is incongruent in what is happening there. And that is, he said, but you need to watch out that you don't get greedy. In, in other words, what he's saying is, be on guard. What, watch yourself. Watch your life that you don't get greedy about what's happening in life. Now, I, I want to say something to you. We live in a society that is obsessed with striving to amass as much as possible. We, we, we constantly are, are trying to get more and, you know, every, everything we can. You know, I've, I've said for years is that we get all we can, we can all we get, and then we set on our can. 
all right? And, and that's kind of the mentality of a lot of people is it's mine, 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 I got to have it, give it to me. And, and yet, what we find is, is that the Word of God is, is, stands directly in opposition to that. And so today, I want to talk to you about purposeful possessions. As I did research for this uh, series, and as I began to look at this passage in particular as I was going to talk about possessions today, I, I began to do some, some looking at some things, and, and one of them I found in a business book in the past few weeks that said uh, that in America especially, that everybody thinks that if they could just have more money, if they could just get, you know, if, if I could just make uh, 10000 more, 100000 more, you know, 200000 whatever it is, that, that that would make me happier. And they said literally they have, they have done research by all kind of people who get paid to do those kind of researches. And, and what they found is, is that literally once a family reaches about $75,000, anything above that does not really affect their happiness. It's kind of like when, when a family finally gets to that point in their life. Some of you are going, my Lord, I wish I was there. I understand. Hang on. All right. Don't, don't, don't jump off the train just yet. Okay, but what they're saying is, is that once you're at the point that you can kind of provide for yourself, you can take care of your family, you don't worry about where your next meal is coming from, that then once you kind of get above that, you start making six figures and sometimes seven or eight figures, that really it doesn't affect your happiness all that much. Now, a, a lot of us are sitting and saying, you know what, I, I just don't have enough. I just don't have uh, what I need. Here's, here's the statement that you need to understand. The majority of the world lives on $2 a day. Did you hear me? The majority of the world, individuals live on $2 a day. And yet in our society, if we're not careful, we are always wanting more, 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 more. And we get into this place where Jesus says, don't be greedy. Don't, don't let greed consume you. Now, I know when you begin to talk about that, that people get nervous. But I, I, I want to bring some things to our attention today that I think can be of benefit to your life, especially to those of you who are Bible believers or those of you who base your life on the Word of God. I think I've got some things today that can help you to live the way God wants you to. Now, let me talk about what greed is. Here's what greed is. Greed is the inordinate desire. All right? If you take your notes, it is the inordinate desire desire to possess wealth, goods, or objects of abstract value, and to keep it for yourself far beyond the dictates of basic survival and comfort. Now, I know that's a long, a long sentence there, and I hope you got it. Uh, but, but basically, here's, here's what greed is. Greed enters in once we have the basics of life, once you have a roof over your head and you have uh, food to eat and you have transportation, then greed is when we just begin to go after things for the sake of things, all right? Now, let me state something to you because some of you are already checking out on me and I don't want you to do that. I want you to hear me carefully today. I, I want you to look up here. Come on, everybody, those of you watching, look, look up just a second. Let me tell you something. I like nice things. All right? I don't like hand-me-downs because I grew up with hand-me-downs. I was always wearing somebody else's clothes in the church. My father was a pastor, and there was always somebody donating something to us, and I was having to wear some other kid's shirt, and they'd come to church and go, oh, that's my shirt, and I never did like that. <laughs> All right? So I don't shop at the second-hand store. I, you know, I just, you can do that. God bless you. Do it. Knock yourself out. But, but I like nice stuff. But here's what I found. I have found that God doesn't mind me having nice stuff as long as nice stuff doesn't have me. 
And, and, and so there, there's this aspect there of where Jesus is saying, watch out or be on your guard. Don't let greed get a hold of your life. And you say, well, pastor, how do I know if I'm greedy or not? I'm glad you asked that question. I'd like to give you a couple of things to ask yourself to determine whether you're greedy or not. Here's the first thing. Am I living in a state of contentment? Am I living? Day in and day out, am I living in a place of contentment in my life? Now, now what does contentment mean? Does contentment just mean, well, it doesn't matter? No, no, no. Contentment means, here's, here's what the Apostle Paul said. The Apostle Paul said, I know how to be abased and I know how to abound. He said, I know how to have plenty, and I know how to have nothing. But he said, I have found that whatever state I'm in, whether I've got a whole lot of stuff or I don't have diddly, that's a good Bible word, by the way, I don't have anything, he said, in that place I have learned to be content. Now watch what he's saying here. He is telling us that contentment means I am fulfilled and satisfied. I want to tell you something. Hear me carefully. Things will not fulfill you. We all think that it will. We, we all, man, if I can just, if I could get that. I mean, have you, have you ever, have you ever set your affection on something? You say, man, I got, if I can just get that. Now, I, I like different things. I, I've, I've been, been through the years. I, I grew up riding motorcycles and I like motorcycles. And, and, you know, if, if I could just get that road king. So I got that road king. And, man, it was a nice bike. But after a while, you lay it down or something happens to it. You know, it gets rusty again. What, whatever. If, if I can just have that thing. And yet what we found is, is that those things don't bring fulfillment. So you, you have to ask yourself, are you fulfilled today? As you're listening, I don't mean can I be fulfilled. I'm talking about right now where you are as you listen to me today. Are you living in a place of contentment? Are you living in a place that you feel satisfied and fulfilled? Doesn't mean you don't want more. Doesn't mean you're not going to do better. It just means I have learned that God is my source and I'm living there. The second question is this. Does the wealth that you have, that I have, does the wealth I have cause me to put God second place do I have to get the second and the third job and miss church wow it gets quiet doesn't it so that I can have more stuff or I got the boat or I got the golf clubs or I got the whatever and now instead of me making church a priority wow y'all don't amen me too much do you Instead of making that a priority, the, the bass boat's a priority or the, or the lake house is a priority. Now, again, God doesn't mind you having those things. And God doesn't mind you every once in a while missing church. Just don't make a habit of it. Right? You, you know, there, there's, there's this whole aspect there of, of saying, wait a minute, does my stuff have me or have, do I have my stuff? Is God first place in my life? Am I living my life to bring the good things of God uh, to people of God so their lives will be changed? And then Jesus goes on and he tells a story. So I, I want us to see this story. Would you look in verse 16? And he told them this story, this parable. The ground of a certain man, a rich man, yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns. I'll build bigger ones. There I will store my surplus grain. Now that sounds really good. But here's where he gets into trouble. Next verse. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. Now, that's kind of the motto of America, isn't it? TGIF, boy, I can't wait till the weekend, praise God. You know, the problem with TGIF is not too many people are thanking God for Friday. 
right? Now what? Look in verse 20. But God said to him, you fool. Now that's a, I don't like to be called a fool. You fool. This very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? Verse 21, this is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but, not, but is not rich toward God. Now, let, let me show you some things real quick. Let me, let me show you the mistakes that this rich farmer made real quickly, okay? The, number one, he assumed he had created the wealth. He thought, well, I, I'm the one who did this. I got out. I sowed the seed. I worked the field. I did all this. And, and so he assumed that he created wealth. But do you know what the Scripture says? The Word of God says that although a farmer goes forth to sow seed and it grows over night and days and months, that he does not understand, he does not know how that that seed comes forth and produces a harvest. In other words, God is the one who creates the wealth. You say, well, pastor, I'm not a farmer. You know, I'm a CPA. I'm a lawyer. I'm a doctor. I got, I got it. But it's because of the hand of God that's on your life, hear me, that you're able to do. And so this farmer said, look at what I've done. Look at me. I, I'm a, have you ever heard this? I'm a self-made man. I'm a self-made woman. Look at what I've done. God said, no, 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 you're not. Number two is he assumed that he was in charge of his possessions. Now, again, let me, let me talk to you from a biblical basis today. If you are a Christian, your possessions are God's. Amen. The Bible says that you are a steward of everything that God has given you. So it's not your stuff. He, he, it was okay for him to build a barn. The problem was when he didn't realize that he needed to sow out of the surplus. Now let me say something to you. I want everybody to listen carefully to me. I believe that God wants Christians blessed. You say, oh, he's one of those kind of preachers. Yeah, I am. I believe God wants us blessed. Why? Because it is out. You say, well, what is blessed? Let me, let me define blessed for a minute. Blessed means I have more than enough. All right? It's different for different people. But blessed means I have more than enough. Now, why does God want you blessed? I believe that God wants you blessed so that Scripture says it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. But here's what I found out. Until I can take care of my needs... I'm not real smart, but I got this one. Until I can take care of my needs, I can't give. But once my needs, that's, that's why I believe God wants us blessed. So I can be blessed so that I can then in turn. But this guy missed it. He said, I'll just, I'll build bigger barns. I'll put all the surplus there, and this is going to be mine. I'm going to live for a long time, and I'm going to eat, drink, and be merry. And, and the Lord says, no, 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 you missed it. It's not about what you think it's about. Number three is this. He assumed his possessions were all about him. God says, it's not about you. See, when God blesses you, when, when God gives you more, it's not just so you can exalt your lifestyle. Again, once you reach a certain level of living, wouldn't it, wouldn't it be better in, instead of us at this, you know, every time we get a raise, we, we, we change our level of, of living to the next level? To the next, what, what if we begin to look at this not just at the next level of living, but what if we begin to look at the next level of giving? Uh-oh. 
that, that we learn that, yeah, God blessed me here, but you know what? I, I used to live on this amount, and now I've been blessed with this, and, and it's great to be blessed with that, and I can take more trips now, I can play more golf now, I can do all these things now, but, but wait a minute, what if God wanted me to still live at this level? Whew, it gets quiet. All right? And then be a blessing to others. Just a thought. You can do with it what you want to. Number four, he assumed life would continue as it had. He just thought, well, I'm going to build this barn, and we're going to take care of it, and things are going to be wonderful, and everything's going to be great. And, and, and the Lord said, you're a fool. Wow, again, what a strong, what strong language God used. You fool today. Listen carefully. It may not be that your life is over, but it could be if you have stored up all of your treasure in your possessions that your possessions are gone in a moment. How often do we see an economy turn upside down or, or, or some devastating something happen and people lose everything they've got? So God says, don't put your trust, don't put your focus on your stuff, on your possessions. Now, I told you today I want to talk to us about purposeful possessions. And, and, and I, I know what happens when a pastor talks about these kind of things. Uh, you know, there's a small minority. Anytime I, that I do this, say, you know, that preacher just talks about money too much. And he talks, listen, I want to tell you, I don't talk about money near as much as Jesus did. Jesus talked more about money and possessions than he did about heaven and hell combined. So it must be important. It's, it's part of who we are and how we live. So I, I want to help you today to live a life of purposeful possession. Living a life of purposeful possession. And, and, and I, I want to give you just three letters, and here are the letters. H-B-O. Now, I'm not talking about home box office. I'm not going to tell you go home and watch television. That's, that's not what I'm talking about. Uh, but but I, I want to use those three letters to give you three principles to live by. And again, especially to those of us who are believers, especially to those of us who base our lives on the Word of God, I, I believe with all my heart that if we would learn to live like this, that we could begin to see our lives move into the place where we are not greedy, where possessions don't have us, but that we genuinely live the life that God has for us. The, the, the first one there, the, the letter H, is honor God. Now, people say, well, that's, that's, you know, okay, that's great. Bible tells us to honor God. In fact, when you study Scripture, you'll find time and time and time and time again where the Word of God says to honor God. But I did research. This was years ago. I was going to preach a series on honoring God, and I found out that there is only one Scripture in the Bible that tells you how to honor God. And here it is. The book of Proverbs, the third chapter in the ninth verse, says this. Honor the Lord with your wealth. Watch that. Here's how you honor God. You honor God with your wealth and with the first fruits of your crops. Now, that word first fruits can be the word tithe. So, so here's what God's saying to us. Now, hang on. Reach down. Put the seatbelt on. God is saying to us, that if you want to live a life freed from greed, live the life that I've called you to live, then what you've got to do is you have to honor me with your wealth. And the way that you show God that you honor him is, watch, it is with your first. It's the very first thing I do to show God I honor him. And the word first fruits is the word tithe or the word tenth. It's a 
10% of what I've been given. 10% of what God gives me, God says, take that and bring it into the storehouse and prove me if I won't pour you out a blessing that you're not able to contain. Now, people say, oh, that's under the law, that's legalistic, that's, that's all back there. Well, okay, let's go to 1 Corinthians 16, 2. 1 Corinthians 16, 2, the Apostle Paul says, on the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping, now watch what he says, in keeping with your income. In other words, a, a percentage in keeping with your income, saving it up so that when I come, no collection will have to be made. The Apostle Paul tells us, in fact, the New Testament talks about tithing as well. Jesus talked about tithing. The Apostles talked about tithing. The, the, the book of James talks about tithing. Tithing's in the New Testament as well as the Old Testament. Now hear me. When you begin to understand that, listen carefully, when you begin to understand tithing, you understand that it's not about money it's about trust do I trust God do I trust God and so God says here's how here's how you honor me if you want to break the spirit of greed bring the first fruits bring the tithe into the storehouse and if you will do that he says prove me that I won't pour you out a blessing that you're not able to contain I challenge you, if you are a Christian, I read something recently that said only 3 to 7% of Christians tithe. And I was astounded because I thought, man, look at what the church and the kingdom of God is able to do with, with you know, let's say 10% of people tithing. What could we do if every, I'm not talking about unbelievers, I'm not talking about you if you're here today and you're kind of investigating the cause of Christ. I'm talking to those of us who claim to be Christians. What could we do how many lives could we change? How many missionaries could we send? How many people could we feed? Wow, it's quiet. If we would just do the basics of what God says in honoring God, well, I tithe. People say, well, well Pastor, I, you know, I'm on a fixed income. Well, aren't we all? Yeah. All of our income is fixed, right? And, and the Lord didn't say, if you want to fix it. No, the, the Lord just said, honor me by bringing that into the storehouse. I'll get off of that because I can tell you're about to shout. <laughs> the B is that you have to budget your life. You know what I found? If you don't understand budgeting, you're like the federal government. <laughs> you just keep raising your debt limit. And some of you are getting close to $16 trillion. And you can't even spell trillion. And they can't either. I mean, it's, it's just always, well, let's see, I, I got this credit card, let me get that credit card, let me get that credit card. Now, you know what I read recently? That the average home in America, and some of us are always trying to be above average, the average home in America has $15,000 worth of credit card debt. I just, I mean, it blows my mind. Now, I use credit cards, but at the end of the month, Sherry and I pay off our credit card. So that means there's somebody out there, because we don't have any, that means somebody out there has 30000 Don't stand up and testify or anything. <laughs> See, we, we've, we've got to learn to budget our life. Scripture says, book of Proverbs, if you want to know some, some great wisdom, go to the book of Proverbs. Proverbs 6, verse 6 through 8 says, go to the ant, you sluggard. That's kind of interesting. Consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler, yet it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. 
I mean, the, the writer of Proverbs, the king there said, look at if you, don't have an, if you don't figure it out, go watch an ant because an ant's got it figured out. That's pretty interesting, isn't it? Uh, 1 Corinthians 4.2 says, now it is required, it is required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. Now remember the story. Everything I've got is given as a trust to me. So it's important that I budget. It's important that I budget my life. It's, it's important. I, I would challenge some of you to go home and this week write out a budget. If you don't know how, listen to Dave Ramsey. He will help you. In fact, I would challenge you, if you are in a financial mess, go buy a book by Dave Ramsey. Go listen to the radio. Do something. And I'm praying for Ed McMahon to rise from the dead and knock on my door. Ed's not coming. And if he did, if you don't know how to budget, you'd spend it all anyway and wind up right back in the same mess. We need to learn that. It's budget is, you know, well, I'm, I'm just believing God. Well, here's what I believe about God. God doesn't bless disorder. So if your finances, I'm, I'm going to move on. Hang on. If your finances are in disorder, God's a God of order. God steps into disorder and says, let there be, and there's light, and he brings things together. God can't step into your finances if they're all disordered. Well, as long as I got checks, I must have money. I got a debit card, I must have money. No, cut it out. Cut it up. Some of you go home, have plastic surgery today. Just have a party, cutting up credit cards. Wouldn't it be wonderful, let me challenge you, wouldn't it be wonderful at the end of the month to still have some money? Like shouting time, wouldn't it? Let me give you the last one. The O is operate in faith. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance of what we do not see. See, I think this is probably the missing ingredient a lot of times it's not talked about. Uh, we, we tell people to honor God, we tell people to budget, but we don't tell people to operate in faith. Faith means that I look at the facts, but I believe the truth. The facts may be, I don't have enough money, but the truth is, God is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord God, my provider. And so I choose which focus I'm going to have. Am I going to always be looking at what is lacking, or am I going to be looking at God Almighty, who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that I can ask or think, according to the power of the Holy Spirit that works in me? So operating faith, operating faith in every aspect of life. I recently heard uh, a, a great man of God who had, has traveled all over the world and been built all kind of things made this statement. He's now gone on to be with the Lord. But he made the statement that he never, ever had the resources to do anything when God challenged him to do it. In other words, when the project was there, he didn't have the money. He didn't have the resources. He didn't have the finances. But he would operate in faith, and God would supply as he was obedient to what God says. I want to tell you, you can operate in faith. You need to honor the Lord. I believe that with all of my heart. I believe that, as, that a tither has a covenant blessing from God that, that just, you just don't have if you're not a tither. 
And I say that boldly, and I do not back down from that, and I don't know what they will be saying about me on social media and what emails I will get, but I still say it again. Tithers are in covenant with God, and God has said, prove me that I won't pour you out a blessing that you're not able to contain. Sherry and I have proved it now for 35 years, and we have seen it. We have never missed tithe. We have never missed an opportunity to give, and God has blessed us abundantly. This church tithes. All love and truth churches tithe out of what comes in. We do that because we believe that as God honors an individual for doing that, that God will also honor a church that does that. And, and so we do that uh, consistently. So I believe that you need to honor God. I, I believe you ought to budget. You know, that's one of those four-letter words in church almost. You know, don't, don't say that word to me. Just, just have faith. Just believe. Just budget. <laughs> Go home. Sit down. Make $1,000, you know, whatever. And here's how much my, you, you got to do it. It's tough. It's hard. But you got to do it. And then lastly, you got to operate in faith. Day in and day out, we need to live in faith. We need to look at our circumstances, but we don't need to be ruled by our circumstances. Jesus said it this way in Matthew 21, 21. He said, truly I tell you, if you have faith and do not doubt, not only can you do what was done to the fig tree, Jesus had spoken to a fig tree and it had died the next day. He said, but also you can say to this mountain, go, throw yourself into the sea and it will be done. Now Jesus isn't telling us to go around and say to the Smoky Mountains, move to the Rockies. That's not what he's saying. I command you, pick up and go. That's not what he's saying. He is saying those mountainous things in your life that if you will not doubt that God is your source, that God is your strength, that God is your help, that you can see God do wonderful miracles on your behalf. I want to tell you, I have watched people. I've been pastoring a long time, and I have watched as people have understood what I've talked about today. And I've watched as the blessings of God have come upon them, and they've been able to, in turn, bless others. I've watched people in this church give cars away and blessings and give, just walk up and hand somebody some cash. I've seen it happen time and time and time again because somebody understood what it would meant to have possessions, that they had the possessions, that the possessions did not have them. Amen. Would you bow your heads today? I've talked to you today about possessions. And as we look at life and we look at so many things, there are aspects that we say, oh, man, that's, that's my greatest possession. Maybe you're thinking of something right now as, you, you know, the greatest thing that you own. Oh, I, I couldn't get rid of that, the greatest possession. But let me just talk to you a moment. Your greatest possession is not material. Your greatest possession is your soul. The greatest thing that you have in this life is not your car, it's not your house, it's not your degrees, it's not the, that which is behind your name. The greatest thing that you have is your soul. That is the possession that is above everything else. And here's what I want to ask you today. How's your soul? right now where you are as you look at your life as you look at that great possession that's going to live forever somewhere 
Are you in relationship with God Almighty? Are you here today and you say, Preacher, I'm not sure about all this religion stuff. Well, I'm not sure about religion either. But I'm sure about Jesus. And Jesus loves you. And Jesus died so you could be saved. And he rose again and he sat down at the right hand of God Almighty. And he's waiting, the Bible says, until his enemies be made his footstool today. So if you're here today and you just say, you know what? not sure about my soul but I want to be sure before I leave today I want to make sure that I'm saved today would you just lift your hand anywhere in this room over here on my left on the ground floor God bless you up in the risers on the left thank you God bless you on the right in the risers up in the middle thank you down here on the ground floor thank you over here on the left thank you on the far left God bless you see a couple of hands there Right down here. Thank you, sir. I see your hand right there. Right here. God bless. Anybody else? Just real quickly, right here in the very back on the middle section on the left. Thank you for me. On the far side over there. Thank you. Another moment, just real quickly. Another hand or two. God bless you. Now let me ask you real quickly. Maybe you're a Christian today. Maybe you're in relationship with Jesus. But as I talk to you today, you just say, Pastor, I, I need to get some priorities right in my life. There, there are some things I've got a little out of balance with. And, and I want to live life on purpose. And I want to have purposeful possessions. Would you just hold your hand up anywhere in this room right now? Wow, a lot of hands now. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Everybody look up here real quickly. We're going to pray together. For those of you who need Jesus to come into your life today, the Word of God talks about how we get saved. It says if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus rose from the dead, you'll be saved. The Apostle Peter told us how we go about that in the book of Acts, the second chapter. Here's what he said. He said, repent, which means to change your mind, to change your direction. The Scripture says it this way. It says, godly sorrow worketh repentance. As I look at my life, I say, you know what? I don't need to live. Look what I've done with my life. Look what's happened. And I look at that, and, I, and I'm sorry for the sins that I've committed. Apostle Peter said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And he said, for the promise is to you, to your children, and all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. So we're going to pray together. And as we pray today, the Bible says, if you confess your sin, that God is just and faithful to forgive you of your sin and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So those of you who need to be saved today, here's how you get saved. I can't save you. My prayer doesn't save you. It's your prayer. You just ask the Lord, Lord, today I come to you and I confess I'm a sinner. I confess today that I've lived my own way. I've walked in my own counsel, not in yours. And Jesus, I come today and I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Take away the old. Lord, I thank you today that you love me and that you gave your life to save me from my sin. And today, I accept you. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. And you know what? If you'll do that, he will bring you into the kingdom. And you will begin to see your life being changed. And the Bible says, go from glory to glory in the kingdom of God. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you today. 
Thank you for so many of our friends today who lifted their hands and said, I need Jesus. I pray for them right now. I pray that as I am talking to you, that they're talking to you and that they're asking you to forgive them of their sins. They're asking you today, Lord, to come into their life. They are confessing that they've been a sinner, but that they're ready today to turn their life over to you. And they're thankful, Jesus, that you shed your blood so that we could be saved. So I just say thank you for that, Jesus. Lord, I'm grateful today that you saved me a long, long time ago. And I thank you that you just continue to wash and cleanse me and all of us who walk in relationship with you. And so today we just say thanks. Thank you that you forgive us. Thank you that you've saved us. And we just say, Lord, from this day forward, we're going to walk with you. And we thank you that you promised us you'll never leave us, you'll never forsake us, but you'll go with us to the end of the age. We declare that today. And Lord, over those of us who lifted our hands and said, we need to get some priorities right, help us to realign our lives and get them into alignment with your purpose and your will. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Come on, let's thank the Lord for that together, can we?